Welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Chris Chafin. And I am Caleb Shively, host of a show that you're listening to. That couldn't be truer, Caleb, and I love you for saying truer. it. Truer. 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 <laughs> Come back, truer. So every... <laughs> yes, I'm just going to ignore that. I'm just going to ignore it. It was perfect as it was, and I have nothing to add. Every two weeks on Actually Best Choice Movies, uh, we talk about two movies, two films, if you will. One of them's old, one of them's new. And uh, as we used to say, Caleb, to throw it back a little bit, they're both in the genre of good. Yeah, and that necessarily doesn't mean good for like you personally. It could mean good for the whole world and itself, or like as uh, awards go, it could got showered with a couple of those, or, uh, you know, just passable enough that to warrant a conversation which is what's happening <laughs> just passable enough to warrant a conversation so be sure to keep listening to the episode <laughs> for sure um so this week we're talking about two movies exactly like caleb described they are 2021's coda and 2020's the sound of metal yeah, is that correct? Am movies, I right? Yes, yes, that's correct. You nailed the years. Uh, both these movies uh, deal with hearing loss and deafness. Deafness, I would say. Uh, and so we're going to talk Wait, about what did you that say? a little bit. I know. There you go. That's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. This is a, this is something my dad does. This is a joke my dad does. It is a very um, dad joke. Chris is a dad. Chris, is I am a dad. Movie. So I can do these things now. It's actually okay for me to do it because I am a dad. So this is fine for me to make it's these true. jokes. Uh, if I did it, it'd be like, ooh, watch ooh, out. <laughs> Caleb, oh, that's like kind of weird, don't you think? Um, anyway, that's all this week on actually best choice. Movies. Movies. Um, but before we get to any of that, um, so like Caleb was saying, these are both films that deal with deafness and i would say similar but different ways uh and so we just wanted to talk a little bit about how deafness has been represented in, in film yeah yeah and i would say uh maybe it's more uh, a recent or phenomenon of just you know deaf people are people and they have should be portrayed more accurately in film and that has there's maybe a some of a history but even more recently especially i would say with these two films uh uh, Coda uh, being just recently released on Apple Plus and getting a big push, and then uh, The Sound of Metal, which is uh, amazing. And they're, they're, they're two drastically different films, but even more recently, um, uh, we have uh, The Quiet Places movie, which features uh, the young actress uh, Millicent Simmons, who's deaf, uh, who's also great in the movie Wonderstruck. I think she's a great young actress, and maybe I'm just picking one actress as why this uh, uh, deaf language is good. I mean, there should be bigger movies. I don't know. I, I, always, I thought of recently uh, when we were covering these movies, a movie I didn't want to watch again, uh, The Tribe, which is a Ukrainian film. Uh, there's oh. no voiceovers or subtitles or dialogue in it. It's just uh, all in uh, Ukrainian sign language, and it's about rival gangs at a school for the deaf. Uh, it's kind of cool, but also like I didn't. It's like very long and like hard to pay attention to. <laughs> It has, it has no voiceover or subtitles, um, according well, yeah, to Wikipedia. Uh, Is that right? So, films, so you have no idea. Wait, yeah. so wait, Caleb, it has no voiceover or subtitles, and it's in Ukrainian sign language. Uh, I, I guess I turned subtitles off because that was an option for me. But yeah, 
I thought it was cool. Uh, so you had, I mean, I think so you had no idea what was going on. No, you could follow it close enough. You, I mean, it's like a pretty standard plot of like uh, gang war stuff. Uh, okay, but it's like right. high school kids. So it's like makes that. So if it, if it had like actual, I understood it probably would have been even worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about like before before we started the record, we were looking at. So we were looking at this list of this great Wikipedia article films of featuring the deaf and hard of hearing. And right at the top, it has its own link where it says for deaf films that meet the deaf cinema criteria. And so I was like the deaf cinema. Huh? I'm not aware of what that is. And I, to, you know, I was not aware of this. If you're aware of it, great. Um, it's called, so deaf cinema is a movement that's like uh, movies directed by deaf people, like lead, led by deaf actors, uh, which is apparently a, uh, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of films in the death the death cinema. Yeah, I think it, seems it to be was like about a half dozen. One, two, three, yeah, six. Uh, and yeah. one of them was actually directed by one of the actors from Coda. Uh, but yeah, I haven't seen any of these. <laughs> and two of them are from 1975, which is kind of cool. Yeah, one's called one of them. Yeah, about the second one vampire. is called deathula it's a deaf vampire movie that's completely from 1975 this movie sounds amazing to me i would love i would love to see deathula it's yeah, it's the first movie the first full length yeah. movie made in american sign language is what it says which is amazing to me i was just saying like uh like there is more portrayal of it in thing and it should be more done by uh deaf actors uh like coda we're about to cover and uh the uh sound of metal has a ton of uh Actors who are deaf. Uh, I mentioned Millicent Simmons, but you know, uh, outside of that, you need do need stars to do it. And like, there is a ton recently. Uh, Baby Driver is a, is a glaringly obvious example uh, of a deaf person. Uh, if you remember in Creed, uh, Tessa Thompson's character was like a special kind of deaf. Um, yeah, uh, there will be blood. Uh, you forget wait, that can the I, son goes wait, deaf. In I'm that sorry. Movie. Can you tell me I have not seen the the movie? Like what when you say that she was a special what, kind of deaf? Yeah, like what I'm what kind of deaf? It does it doesn't matter. Like she can still communicate, but she's like a musician. It's but see, this is the thing that, that I think is interesting, Caleb. What you're saying, like this that somebody's a special kind of deaf where they can still basically communicate with you. I think that this is oftentimes the way that deafness has historically been related on in film and on TV, like even Marley Matlin, who's in Coda, which is a great film. Like, you know, in the nineties, I used to watch this show picket fences that I talk about all the time that I really loved. And Marley Matlin was on that movie or on that show. And it was like, yeah, you know that she's deaf, but it's like, she was talking and reading lips, I guess. So it was like, Mm -hmm. she was never signing. She would just like, and she was talking in a way that you could understand her. And it was just this very weird thing where it was like being deaf was just like a kind of a personality trait and not really like they were experiencing (laughs) the world in a different way. so that's, I feel like often that is how it is treated in, in things, in things that are trying to be positive. You know what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, that's why I like the darker takes. Uh, I thought of uh, uh, one of the storylines in, I guess, in Babel. Uh, uh, Rinko Kikuchi. She was Oscar nominated for in Babel. Uh, she's a deaf character. But that was cool. Uh, that was like one that I thought of. Like, oh, that's uh, cool. But it's like what one fourth of the film. I forget hmm. how many things happen in Babel. But like, she's a high school student, uh, uh, and she's dealing with her mother's death, and then she starts like engaging with like weird sex stuff as a high schooler because Inaratu is a fucked up person. Anyway, uh, I don't know. There's a, I don't know. I, I, th- I even think of like in the eighties. Uh, I don't know. That's where I'm, uh, I, I think of, <laughs> I don't really, I'm, I'm low to bring it up because I don't think it's a great portrayal, but uh, 
uh, see no evil, hear no evil. Gene Wilder's deaf. Richard's, Richard oh Pryor's God. is blind. I don't, uh, I don't think that, that is a good portrayal. No, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> I mean, he commits to it. It's Gene who uh, is a, a lovingly person in general. I don't think he was trying to be mean about it, but it probably comes off that way. But there's also like, I don't know, a ton of miracle worker adaptations. <laughs> uh, there's an Alan Arkin movie from the uh, uh, 60s, I believe. Uh, the Heart is Lonely Hunter, which is based off of a, a mm. novel, which is pretty good. And I guess The Sound and the Fury doc is worth checking out as, as well. Uh, I, I covered it. I just, I'm just naming movies at this point. <laughs> but I guess we should talk about Marley Matten, who won an Oscar, who's the youngest one of the youngest people ever to win uh, an Oscar for Best actor, best Actress. That was Children of a Lesser God, which is a pretty decent movie. Yeah, I have not seen that. It's it's about a school for the deaf or something like that? Is that... Uh, Children of a Lesser God. Uh, she's like a speech... Te- uh, she's There's a speech teacher, uh, and then the speech teacher falls in love with Marley Matten, who is uh, mm. a deaf. I'm trying to think who is... I think it's William Hurt, but I c- could be wrong. Uh, I hope I'm right. Uh, I like yeah, William, William Hurt, Hurt, you are correct. Oh. It is William Hurt. Yeah, good work, Caleb. Uh, yeah, good good work, William Hurt. Uh, yeah. But that was her first movie too. Like, and she won an award for her first movie. And it might have been uh, as Oscars go, campaigning. Uh, but you know, it was it's cool movie. I, I would look up what happened that year, but I'm not going to do that to Marley right now because <laughs> we're going to be talking about Marley Matt Lynn a little bit more. But you know, I think it's overall, I would say portrayals as it should of. Uh, people with a disability or even not even necessarily disability as we're looking well, at this it. is one of the things to talk about yeah right with like we're portraying things progressively and better yeah uh, but yeah uh, let's i'll even shout out uh in the upcoming uh the eternals which i just believe got a trailer dropped this week the marvel movie the eternals uh, uh lauren ridloff is a deaf actress she plays a superhero uh lauren ridloff mm. is going to be mentioned when we talk about uh the movie the sound of metal as well she's in that well, Caleb, I mean, speaking of these movies, do you want to get to it? Do you want to talk about these movies? Yes. Marley Matten in Coda. That's our that's our segue. Yes. Marley Matlin is <laughs> one of the stars of Coda. You're the girl with the deaf family? Yeah. yeah. I just want to tell you right now. And you sing. Interesting. Something's got a hold. Coda is a new film from director uh, Sean Hader that absolutely swept Sundance. Um, I read it. This was the first time in history that the same mm-hmm. film won the Grand Jury Prize, the Directing Prize, and the Audience Award, which is you know uh, literally unprecedented. So that's it was this amazing hit at Sundance or at uh, Cannes, and then Sundance. Sundance. No, at Sundance. Yeah, it's an amazing hit at Sundance, and then uh, it get, also got the highest ever acquisition price for a film at Sundance, which is $25 million paid by Apple who like for them, what is $25 million? Nothing. And so it's on Apple TV, which is cool. If you've bought an Apple product in the last year, you get Apple TV for free, even if you don't have never used it, you know, you should check it out. So if you've been to like a relatively artistic movie in the last six months, you've probably seen the trailer for Coda. Uh, It's about a teen girl who's the only hearing person in a family of deaf people and get this. She wants, to sing so like you know it's a simple setup right uh and it does in a certain way hit all the notes you would expect uh including the mom who is marley matlin giving a fantastic performance as like a fun and sexy mom which is great um and she says if i was blind would you want to paint which is like that's the you know that's what how they are feeling about it 
Um, but somehow the movie completely transcends, you know, itself. It's uh, in a certain way, it's completely by the numbers, but in another way, it's a, like a delightful and emotional. And I really enjoyed it. Like despite of myself way more than I expected to, I saw the trailer so many times. It seems like such a, such a like movie for teens or something. I was like, this seems ridiculous. And it is kind of a movie for teens, but also I really thought it was really good. Uh, Caleb, how did, how did you feel about this movie? Uh, yeah, it's broad, man. Uh, a classic, it's broad. yeah, a classic. Wow. A life's worth of problems sure are happening all at the same time for this family. <laughs> uh, but you know, familiarity breeds contempt. Like it's by the numbers. Uh, it went down super easy. The strokes are so broad here, but if you accept it and like are pl- willing to play with it, that kind of is the point. And for me, it made the film that little bit more refreshing, like, and cause it's about, a specific family, a family of deaf people. And yeah, they sh- uh, deaf people are people. They should go over the top. They should star in tear-jerking, dumb films just like everyone else. There's a ton of these films. Why isn't there a deaf one? And there should be a movie like this. Uh, like several they- times they do, just speaking about this, some of the, just to name some of the things about the movie that are so broad, right? And speaking of what you're talking about, about deaf people, why shouldn't they get to do these kind of things? Like, a, there's a kind of a running joke in the movie that they're doing the signs for like calling each other like twat waffle and like yeah, turd now. Yeah. And they're doing these too. elaborate kind of like things where they're like pantomiming eating shit or like shit nugget, yeah. Yeah. And they're like twat doing waffle. all these things at each other like pushing their hand and it's like really silly and funny and it's like yeah again it's so incredibly broad but in a very unique way right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that, that it works for the film uh for the film and i i like it swears a lot i thank goodness i was like oh i'm glad this movie uh like i don't know if it's like r because they do swear a lot in this movie uh and like, also like the mom and dad are kind of like selfish dickheads too like they <laughs> Like Marley Matten usually like portrays herself as like uh you know upstanding citizen and no let her be like her dark self like good for her she's an Academy Award winner and she's a very generous actor in this movie too like she shares the spot spotlight yeah. so nonchalantly great great for her uh, I was a big fan of this dad his name's Troy Kotzer who directed one of the uh, deaf cinema films I mentioned. Uh, uh, but yeah, great for That's this. That's really the son, cool. The son is also... He's, wait, no, he's great. Let's talk more about that guy, this dad. He's Sir fantastic. Sure. He's, he's so great. He's got this crazy, gigantic beard. He's got super long hair. He's like really thin, right? Sold the uh, movie set in Massachusetts. They're fishermen, fishermen in Massachusetts. He really sells it. Like, he, like, oh, this guy just feels that way. He really just seems like that is what he is. Like, I, if you had told me he was a non-professional actor, I would believe you. Like, he looks like legitimately like mm-hmm. a weird kind of marginal person but like cool you know like obviously he gives a great he's like really fun and he it's not like his character is complex like none of the characters in the movie are complex but they're kind of they just have a certain kind of reality to them like they seem like people you would meet you know yeah very fun um yeah it gets to do more of the uh i don't know uh the mom is more of the antagonist where the dad's more of like just uh, willfully ignorant to his daughter's singing, uh, if that makes sense. But it's pretty standard stuff <laughs> in film. Uh, but yeah, speaking of the daughter, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 you, after you, please. Yeah, speaking of the daughter, the daughter and that's like a very broad plot. Like, oh, the, it, it, we should mention that it is based off of another film. Uh, it's a French, it's a remake of a French film, which is in turn a ripoff of a German film. Uh, uh, yeah, very similar narratives of uh, deaf family singing. Yeah, of course, it's been done. Uh, but Ruby, Amelia Jones, the uh, lead actress here, the uh, person who could hear, 
she's still given like for how broad it is like she still gets to play a lot of uh nuance like sure there's like the teen girl stuff is there like there's a mean girl and there's a cute boy but like there's yeah. a lot of like specific frustration that she portrays or like gets to, to say outright like with because of course it's specific she's dealing with deaf parents we don't i don't have that no one a lot of people don't have that mm-hmm. uh like the people these people depend on her for everything it's like they keep saying uh, she's a free translator for them uh and like she even like sees her parents being like her dad especially being stubbornly not fitting into uh like there's a thing with all the fishermen and like she sees her dad not fitting in uh and just saying i would say this i would do this but like he's not because he's deaf and she's like you should do that <laughs> like there's a lot of like just specific like that's really interesting and also like uh, I thought it was cool that she like gets to blast music in her house because her parents are deaf. Like they play that up a lot, and the music yeah, that plays is the shags, yeah. Yeah. and she gets to like scream and you know when she's angry and because it's like everybody's deaf, nobody can hear, you know. But there is, I would say, the reverse of that is really interesting too. And there is a scene actually kind of like this in the Sound of Metal too, where it's like they're having dinner and having a good time and just signing with each other and stuff, but they're being like so loud, they're like thumping the table and like yeah. kind of like making weird kind of noises at each other every once in a while and like clanging things around and for her it's like torture you know um yeah, they have yeah, no idea they have no idea they're doing it you know yeah they just don't, like they're like i said they're kind of like selfish about it but like yeah people are selfish that's true <laughs> uh but there's like i don't know like it builds up sure it's broad enough but it builds up to like these emotional moments and like is it cheesy sure yeah it but is also cheesy. like uh i don't know like there's specificness to the cheesy that like you get there because you know uh there's tons of levels to identify with in the world. So we could identify with dealing with parents or uh, loving your child. That those are, those are things that you could identify with, but the way they do it specifically in this movie is like, there's the smaller stuff, like her, like she's a heart to heart with her mom about her mom saying how she wanted her to be deaf. I was like, I kind of like floored me a little bit. I was like, Oh wow. I didn't expect this deep of a conversation to happen. Or like, there's a very nice moment where like she's singing and the dad just like, feels her neck while he's saying that's a very specific thing that happens very specific to like the reality of being a deaf person and you have to say that one of the criticisms that often gets you know that people have of hollywood of films is that like they don't use deaf actors and this movie has several deaf actors right i mean is 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 the son deaf uh in in real life do you know yes yes they actually all three wow uh, that's i mean that's fantastic. Know each other from the deaf acting community, like they do. Uh, I think it, I believe it's called Deaf End. Is like the West End of or Broadway of uh, <laughs> Deaf End. Play. That's funny. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. I mean, they they should of course have uh, their own stages. They're, these people are amazing in this movie. Yeah. And, um, so what I think is interesting about this movie, like, and it is made by it's starring deaf people, and the, like you're saying, the father, the actor who, who plays the father, is like a kind of a deaf activist in a certain way. Like he has made these deaf cinema films, right? And and the movie is like explicitly like what the tearjerker plot is, you could say, about deaf rights, right? Like it's about people, the state wants to control them and tell them what to do and they're in trouble because they're deaf and it's like a they have to figure out how to deal with the world, right? But the way that it is a deaf rights movie is very interesting because it's it just sort of takes as a for granted that these people are uh fully complex human beings living, you know, normal lives that are productive and like, you know, they have a family and a rich uh, inner life and they have jobs. And it, do you know what I mean? Like it, it, but it's about them fighting for their rights in a sort of different arena. Whereas I think uh sound of metal that we're going to talk about is like kind of like existentially about like, what does it mean to be deaf? You know? 
Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, because it's like a deaf rights movie, but it's kind of like it's a deaf rights movie. Like, like it's good to be deaf. You know, like kind of is like kind of one of the messages of Sound of Metal. Um, yeah, yeah. This, this is more just uh, like a, a more of a family feature. You could bring in the uh, everyone. It's a, it's a. Okay, we said broad strokes. Uh, Apple was given a big push. It's a good lesson movie about like, oh yeah, family is great. And deaf people are also have families. It's fine. It's great. But Sound of Metal is a little bit more art about things. <laughs> a little bit tries to tackle things in a more esoteric way. Yeah. Mm, you know, <laughs> not to get too ahead of ourselves talking about Yeah, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I might disagree with you. I have to say there's something about this movie that I really liked. I definitely, it's so interesting because I saw the trailer a thousand times. I was like, I hate this movie. I don't want to watch this movie. Like, what a piece of garbage. Like, I can tell exactly this is this kind of like inspirational movie for teens. Like, okay, great. I'm not a teen. You know, I have no interest in seeing this. And then like you suggested, uh, Catherine wanted to see it kind of. And I was like, I I don't really want to see this movie. And then you suggested doing it. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, fine. Let's do it. Because I, you know, I trust your judgment. And I appreciate you taking the time to think about it. And I watched it and I was like, Caleb, what can I say? I loved it. It was so great. I had such a good time watching this well, big to... dumb movie for children. Like I thought it was fantastic. I really thought I wanted it was... to do it because of what you mentioned. It's the first Sundance Festival film to win a uh, Grand Jury Prize Audience Award, Directing Award. It also won a uh, Special Jury Prize for the Ensemble, and it sold for twenty five million dollars. The record was like seventeen before. Uh, it's, it's, it's that's insane. Like I was like, that's crazy. What? That's absolutely like, crazy. Uh, and I don't know. I I go back on fourth and about Sundance winners in general. Uh, I mean, Minari won before, great, but for every Minari, there's uh, uh, the miseducation of Cameron Post, uh, which I kind of <laughs> like, actually. Uh, I mean, I, I really like, I don't feel at home in this world. I don't anymore, uh, which is a movie by uh, Macon Blair, and it's ridiculous, uh, but I don't think it should have won that year. Uh, like, there's weird winners of, of this, and I was like, I don't know, me or on the dying girl is probably my is the big example of this. Like, oh, what, what, what? That really, what that one? Uh, <laughs> uh, but for every, I don't know. It's just there's like logistically things in this movie that just like are like, what are you doing? Uh, like they keep saying money is a problem, but it never really is. <laughs> yeah, they seem uh, to own. You know, I, honestly, at the very beginning of the movie, they were out on the boat together as a family fishing. So this is the thing. Like it's a family of fishermen. They own a fishing boat. They fish and. And all the family all does it together. And I'm a parent now, Caleb. And I was looking at them and I was thinking like, God, what an idyllic life. Like this guy goes out with his children every day on a boat that he owns. He doesn't have a boss. Like he's just out here fishing, you know? And I was like, wow, I, I really am envious of this guy in his life. And then the movie spends the rest of the movie trying to convince you like, oh, actually it's terrible. It's really terrible to own a fishing boat. And there's some kind of, it invents this whole thing. And it's like, it really is really interesting because it kind of, without any real explanation kind of just presents the world of like wholesale fish, <laughs> like selling and buying. Like it yeah, expects small... you to like really accept a lot of stuff about the way that like fish yeah. markets work. And like in the small town of Gloucester, uh, yeah, Gloucester, men, Caleb, Gloucester, Gloucester, 17 men can sustain living fishing in the same yeah mile and, radius and it is interesting too because like in the first scene of the movie they're out fishing they have this fishing boat and i'm like oh what this is a fucking movie about like heroic commercial fishermen and they have like a board with a nail in it and they're just hitting fish in the head with this yeah. nail over and over again That's and i was like cool. this is fucking graphic like this is <laughs> terrible um 
to get more into like the girl this is another thing i was like what uh she so she just like she's singing but doesn't sing for for her family because they can't hear well that's a thing so she just started singing publicly and sure she can get berkeley's school of music's on the table she just started singing publicly right like that year right and it's like she's just so naturally talented you know she does do a lot of practice i don't know that was like i I was like okay uh but well, yeah, the, the thing is, Caleb, she's been singing. She's been singing to herself her whole life, just listening to her headphones and singing. You know, there is a little bit of uh, her music teacher, Eugenio Debaz, who's you know great in general. <laughs> I don't, I don't ever mind seeing him, even though I don't I never really like him. I'm like, oh, he brings it. Uh, but well, like, like, there's there's things where he's like, uh, oh, we're doing an exercise where I'm just going to make you look weird, and that's like, oh, okay, have fun. I, with it. I would love to talk about this character, the music teacher character, Caleb. Eugenio because it, tell me the name of the actor again. Eugenio Derbez, huge, Eugenio Derbez. huge actor. What what else has he done? Uh, he did this movie called Instructions Not Included, which is like the most successful Spanish language film, one of the most ever. Uh, I don't know. He's in tons of stuff. He does a lot of like recording over voices again for uh, Spanish stuff. But yeah, great. Oh, that's cool. Great person. Yeah. Well, in a because in a certain sense, his music teacher character is not that far off from like something Hank Azaria would have been doing, and like. 1995 you know what i mean like he's doing this i mean he's doing like an extremely broad you know gay hispanic person right would you say yeah yeah but you know don't you did you not find i mean you were talking before about how broad the film was when his character came on screen i was like oh my god this is extremely broad yeah i think that was more familiarity with with him like i don't know like he was in the ken marino movie he's an adam sandler movie so like Whatever this guy. Oh, is he the guy that was in the um the Gigolo I, I, movie? Uh, what's that Gigolo movie? He was the, in uh, the Jack the and Marino movie. The Ken Marino movie. Uh, he was in How to Be a Latin Lover. Yeah, is yeah, that, that's that's yeah. the one. Yeah, Ken Marino directed that, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. How, yes, I do. I have seen that. Oh, I didn't even recognize him from that yeah. movie. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I don't know. He's uh, you can. I was like, oh, good for him. I was like, good for. I didn't know he was in it. Uh, he's outside Marley Latin. He's the only other act- actor I recognized in this movie. <laughs> I mean, did you not think his character was broad? You didn't. Think oh, of his course, of, of course, I thought it was broad. As soon as he was like, I saw it with him, I was like, oh, this is gonna be a broad character. <laughs> it was just uh, very, very broad. I thought super broad. But uh, uh, how much is the music rights budget on this movie? Too, oh, right. <laughs> there's so much like cool, like you're all I need. Uh, yeah, like so much like songs are paid for. Oh my god, yeah. And it was, you know, well, speaking of the music, like, one of the things I found myself thinking watching this movie was uh, just like, just sitting there and just marveling at the influence that Glee has had on culture. Like, I just thinking like, here we are 12 years later from the premiere of Glee. I think it's or even more than that. And we're still like, this is just what choir is now. Like everybody, every teen understands choir to be glee but like before glee it was not like that (laughs) as somebody who was in choir in high school in like 2000 like it was not like glee you know but that is just what it has become it's it's wild to think of the influence that show has had there's like one line a character says like she joins choir and she goes well you better not better not start beatboxing or doing that cup thing Uh, and then also one of the mean girls was in choir too i don't know yeah, it was like it was like choir was stupid to join, but also the choir was full of all the mean girls. Yeah, uh, but you know, you got some token people in there too, and then of course the uh, cute boy that uh, like do you two know each other? Kinda. Yeah, we know each other. I don't yeah. know. That whole like, I mean, I could always do away without 
a teenage love romance in a movie, but whatever. It, it's, it's what it, it's teens like. What do. can you say? It's what teens like, you know? Yeah, they did. I mean, go to Caleb, what, at the end of the day, do you believe this to be a movie for teenagers? Uh, sure. But that's also feels like it's selling short teenagers. Cause we liked cool stuff when we were teenagers. Tune in next week. Um, I don't know. I don't know for maybe like 12 year olds. Is that a teenager? <laughs> sure, so start... you think it's not even for teenagers. You think it's for like 12 year olds. I don't know. It's for people who don't watch movies that much. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb, so I turn... liked this movie. I liked it. It was emotionally okay. impactful on me. Um, sure, sure. It's and I will say, dude, like having, I will say, here's one thing. Like, I am so sorry to say this. Okay. When having a child now, it does make you into a total fucking sucker for anything to do with children and parents. Like you just see it in such a different way. And it's so emotionally complex. And like, it's so just fucking hits you in the stomach and there's nothing you can do about it because you just picture that the child is your child. And it yeah, makes you, gotta, you so it makes you feel crazy, you know. You got emotions that uh, I don't have. It's true. Uh, yeah, and I don't. I'm, I mean, I'm I, and I'm not saying it's good. I don't think it's good. It's but it's just it just like immediately works on you in this way that is like it, it is impossible to deny, you know. Yeah, it's a shortcut to uh, schmaltz. It's uh, I don't know. It is. It is. Do, movies do that. Yeah, it is a shortcut. And, to and, schmaltz. and uh, there should be a go-to death movie like that like i i would say this is if it succeeds in having uh like teenagers and younger people and the broader audience and people who don't see movies in general uh think about uh people who are deaf differently that's amazing that's great i i hope they should definitely all take this movie in and uh have more empathy in their lives as we all should in general that'd be great and I will tell you another thing I thought about this movie, because I feel like we're nearing the end of our discussion, but just very yeah. quickly. Um, one thing I really enjoyed, and I think this is especially a credit to the film, especially considering it's an adaptation of an adaptation of an adaptation, whatever, back into history, is the way that it uses um, like like the people like the deaf people are texting people and you think yeah. to yourself like, Oh yeah, what an amazing time it is to be deaf. You know, like <laughs> the, like literally the most common form of communication is by text, you know? Uh, and it, I liked the way that it was utilized in the film because I was like, Oh yeah, if you were a deaf teen now, yeah, you just, you text your girlfriend and like, that's everybody is texting everybody. You know, it's fine. It's not even weird. Yeah, People don't need to learn. They could just get around. They could just text each other. It's great. It's perfect. <laughs> Which is cool because they don't do that at all in the next movie we're going to talk about. They actually take away their phones. I thought their... about it constantly because yeah. of Coda. I kept thinking, like, why won't they just let them text? Like, why aren't they just texting each other? They did have a machine, but yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah, so do you want to move on to this next film? Yeah, yes. Yes, this is the old movie on this episode, 2020's <laughs> The Sound of Metal. Your hearing is deteriorating rapidly. We'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play tomorrow. Let's see what it's like, okay? I'm gonna be like a click track. You can play to me. A metal drummer loses his hearing is the easy tagline for Darius Martyr's The Sound of Metal, even though that is pretty accurate. However, the tagline eschews all the devil in the details. And the film revels in its details, 
from the actual metal itself, which actually is more maximal minimalist industrial noise. Think of the band Jucifer, whose main duo was inspiration for the original idea from Blue Valentine's Derek C. France, who received a story credit here, uh, to the actual life of the drummer himself, portrayed here by the great Riz Ahmed. Uh, Riz plays Ruben Stone, a drummer, yes, and also an addict. When Ruben loses his hearing, his girlfriend Lou worries about his well-being and helps lead the film to a recovery community for deaf addicts. Uh, we will get into all this detail and more, but let's note The Sound of Metal was nominated for six Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Actor, and won two of them a slam dunk win for sound design and a well-earned Best Editing Oscar. Uh, now, Chris, let's hear some words here. <laughs> That's your fucking tee up for me. Let's hear some words. <laughs> uh, so we hadn't, we didn't do this movie last year, although we almost did it several times. Uh, so I actually never had seen it. Um, so I was very interested to see it. Um, it was very, it was a very interesting film, Caleb. And I think it wasn't exactly what I expected. And, and it, it definitely takes a lot of, it takes a roundabout way to get where it's going. And I, I found myself, uh, confused a lot watching the film like and I found myself thinking like you're just trying to tease out what the film was about if you know what I mean like because like like you said he's an addict but at a certain point it's like his his addictive personality becomes a, a kind of attached to hearing instead of attached to drugs and and then the I and I was like what is that what is what is that trying to say exactly and also the movie the movie does have a very um you know, it has a very pro-deaf agenda in a very weird way, I think. And I'm not saying that's good or bad, but I'm just saying, like, that is the agenda of the movie. And it I, that was just not what I was expecting. Let's put it that way. It's not what I was expecting. Yeah, I don't know, Caleb. Like, what what do you think about all this stuff? Like, what do you think this movie is about? Like, what is, like, not just, like, like you said, like, the plot isn't just a guy loses his hearing. It's more like he loses his hearing, and this is a key to kind of unlocking all of his, like, obsessive, addictive personality insecurity personality traits and it's about him like coming to accept himself like yeah, i guess a, you know yeah it's definitely more of a, a character study and they do find a specific uh, story for the character uh and it was actually like i said derek c and france uh, had the initial idea it, so it was like been sitting on the shelves for 13 years with the director darius martyr until he could actually get it together there was like another person attached to star i forget who matthew scheinertz was originally attached to star uh, but I don't know. It, it, it works for me as like a, a character study, which those don't have to have uh, a certain purpose. Like you could just like have someone do some fine acting and have some uh, great filmmaking and have the uh, that coalesce into something bigger than a tagline and just into a movie, a film. Uh, and uh, I, 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 I absolutely loved, like I said, one for sound design and one for editing. I loved both these aspects of it too. And, uh, I guess I didn't really say in the intro that this movie puts you in there in the sense that you never really know more than the character knows. Like you're with him the whole time. So you're like, on, try to get on his wavelength. And then when his hearing goes like the sound design, you're hearing that too. Like you're hearing it drop out uh, and then it'll have like these drastic edits where like pull back the shot and like, you'll see like, Oh shit, this is scary now, uh, which right. I loved. Um, uh, the sound designer who won the Oscars name is uh, Nicholas Becker. Yeah, just reading about that in general, because this is the second time I've watched this. I'm glad I got to revisit it uh, and just read more about it. Like he used a like a 
like a quiet chamber to record body noises to create these sounds. And his quote was creating an emotional reality through sound. And yeah, and a thing I say all the time on our podcast is uh, performance paves over movies. And this is like Riz won, like I said, he was nominated for Best Actor. He won Spirit Awards, which is again a better <laughs> show. Uh, holy, it's like a holy shit Riz performance here. Like, yeah, uh, I could, it's I'll, very good. He's having so many. He's having so many emotions, and he seems to be so terrified for almost the entire movie. It drops out like at a very random spot. Like it, he just loses his hearing. Like you, it, like you're watching as the film, and just it just happens, and he loses his hearing. And it's like what's and like you're also what's going on. Like he is. So I'm gonna skip over that a little bit because we it does get to this part where he has to go to a deaf community, uh, like. He calls his uh, sponsor, his uh, person that he's like, he's an addict. He calls a sponsor. They find a, him to go to a deaf community that is also for addicts. Uh, and then it becomes like a, yeah, like what Chris like saying, like, what is this movie now? It becomes like this from like this, uh, like really pulsating movie to like a story. It super slows down and becomes a story about Ruben like accepting and adapting. Yeah. And, and like then learning if he should, sign language, yeah. and playing with children. Yeah. And like it, running it, it becomes like if he and, should know. continue, like it, it's very nice and it's very slow. And that movie is like an extended part of the movie. And it turns into like this, should he uh, continue on this path of acceptance and continuing to adapt? Cause he's also now deaf, but like his old life and his old routine is on his mind uh, as, as the movie goes on. And in, as a four, he's like his four year clean addict. Would he want to go back to what worked before? I think that's what ultimately maybe if this movie has a point is like saying like, do we want to go what worked for us before? Or should we also continue to (laughs) have things? But because like he, like uh, not only is like we're saying he has his girlfriends, his girlfriend has to leave. Like you have to really immerse yourself in the community. That's where we're talking about when they they take his phone away. It's very weird, right? They say his girlfriend can't be there and he can't have a phone and I think he's using the internet in secret throughout the movie. He's, yeah, he's not supposed secret, to yeah. be using Sneaking it. around, yeah. yeah. And so it's like, it's very weird because it's, and I guess it's, you know, it's serving like a metaphorical dramatic purpose. But basically it's like, he has to live in this little deaf community, which he gets to live in for free somehow. And he's like, he's not allowed to even interact with the outside world in any way, which seems like very, very extreme to me. And it's, and the idea is not, and it's not like it's like while you get used to being here, it's like forever, you know, like, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So like we're starts off with this metal performance and then like we're scary cause he's losing his hearing. And then it, when it gets to this community, it's like, it goes to a daily routine portion. Like it's like, Oh, he's right. just living slow every day. It's very stark and uh, stark in contrast, excuse me, to the propulsion that we're feeling. Uh, but it also, what it does gets there. It also introduces so many characters that make the film more than that drummer loses his hearing tagline. Right. And that's where uh, all this, uh, the deaf community comes into place because it's all real actors who are deaf. They're all cool looking people. They're all having fun. Uh, we're going to now talk about Paul Racy, uh, who is a, cool ass dude uh, in real life and got a supporting actor nomination from this. He plays uh, Joe. Is that his name in this movie? <laughs> yeah. He's Paul great. I love this name, guy. Yeah. I love this yeah. guy. Well earned. Also one for spirit award acting. Uh, uh, 
But yeah, he's amazing. like the gruff, ponytailed head of a community of deaf addicts he's, who is he's like funny. He's personable. Forcing he's the rules that you have to be cut off from the outside world and you have to want to be deaf. And those are the two rules of this place. I mean, he's in like he's a recovering addict himself, and he's like I don't know. He uh, like he uh, his backstory is true when he says in the movie he uh, was in Vietnam and lost his hearing from a, a bomb that went off close to him, so he couldn't hear anymore after that so we can still talk which is unique to i guess in the deaf community uh, and uh but still like communicate and still here's a lip reader too but yeah uh amazing performance because it's uh, i don't know you see like how frustrated he is and how like rigorous he is too uh which works for him uh like the whole, whole thing is uh the message what you're saying is like deafness is not a handicap i think that's what he right. keeps saying like there's people here deafness who think deafness is not a handicap which yeah. is great and uh he really sells that and like makes me believe that like oh yeah if you don't i i, I agree that it's just like a different people. way of experiencing the world like it's not a handicap mm -hmm. it's it's very pro-deaf and this is actually i thought this was really interesting because it's i always think of this and i don't know if you watch this too but like when i was a kid i used to watch er er with my parents and this <laughs> is like a big thing on in season two or three of er um Eric LaSalle has a baby and the baby is deaf and they're talking about whether or not to get it a cochlear implant, which were like brand new at the time. And then there's all this stuff he's dealing with, with like the pro deaf people that are telling him like, you know, being deaf isn't a handicap, you know, it's just, you know, we're totally normal people. And he's dealing with those. Then also the idea that you could get a cochlear implant and like be able to hear sounds in some way. Like, um, it's just so funny because this was like literally on ER in 1997 and it is so similar to the debates that are in this film. And so this is the, the first time I was introduced to them and, and they're also gone over it in this film. Like basically like, could there be a magic bullet to keep you from being deaf? And if you could, if you could take it, would you? Would you say they were tackled as artfully or skilled as uh, Sound of Metal? Which I don't know. Uh, like, yes, I would. Yes. Season ooh, three of ER, like the Kayla, this is like one of the best TV shows of all time. Like, yes, 100%. And also it goes the, on for like an entire season, like this whole thing. Uh, do, do they do the, uh, so what you're saying, like, you could hear what he hears a lot of the time. Well, because uh, no, it's, it kind of, it's a baby. So Yeah, no. so there's like a, a, a very like, swooshy scary part when he actually turns us on we're getting ahead of ourselves a little well bit, this is yeah. interesting i would like to talk about this caleb i mean not unless you feel like we're jumping i don't know what, ourselves. what are you what are you talking about <laughs> well uh, here i'll give a pause the part where like spoiler alert riz does get a cochlear implant towards the end of the movie and the movie shows you what he's hearing through his cochlear implant and like basically they make it seem like a fucking nightmare to have a cochlear implant it seems like absolutely awful like it's like being it in hell like it's like I, don't think, I mean you're just being uh one-sided with your interpretation i mean of that. no he's like, like having a panic attack the know, entire time that his cochlear implant is i'm just saying you don't know what that is either do you or do you not think the movie makes it look negative to have a cochlear implant it might be making it accurate but this is the thing this is this is what i'm saying i don't know and i thought it was very interesting yeah. Because I I hadn't seen it portrayed in this way before, and but it, and it was also very much like, yeah, is this accurate or you know, and and how did they arrive at at depicting it in this way? I I, I you know I I don't know the answer to those questions. Uh, I I would say if since we don't know, like the uh, feeling of something new is probably accurate. The feeling of like having to adjust to. Uh, something that is completely foreign to you 
months earlier is very like head spinning. And I'll just keep going back to like, that's where Riz sells the shit out of this movie, man. Yeah. Uh, like the whole thing, like we're saying like it could get too heavy and like, he is also playing an addict. So it's like this, all this heavy shit. And like, he's having an impact. He's selling shit to raise money. He's also like getting along with people too at the death camp. And, uh, like when he first gets there, there's so much like this frustration, like even right before when he's going through like the scary stuff, he's like breaking shit in his RV and it's scary. And then to like the openness at towards the end, like you say, he's playing with kids. He goes from like saying a heartbreaking line. Today is not a good day. Uh, to having playing a weird tag game with kids in a field. He runs the gamut in this movie. I was so glad it got an Oscar nomination. Uh, I'm kind of like skipping over the the point of uh, uh, no, of like, not at like all. if it's like good or bad. Like who is to say? And that's what like he's. I don't know for him. Us, if we're looking Caleb. specific geniuses specific, like us that we're to say if it's good or like bad. if this movie is specifically about this one character, uh, which I, I'm, I'm happy to get more of the specifics of this character because I love the specifics of the character. Uh, uh, like it wasn't right for him. It turns out, uh, uh, and that might be more to his lifestyle as he was uh, a specific heavy drummer to uh, a band. I did look up the band's, if I could buy the shirt, this band is named, this fictional band, excuse me, is named Black Gammon. Yeah, I, I'm going to give me a give me a sec to talk about how awesome I love this music. Yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, they're an industrial band, and I loved that they did it. The uh, two musicians that trained them, or two of the bands that trained them, are uh, in the film very much, but they're selling merch. Actually, when his hearing drops out, it's a uh, Margaret Chardet, who is Pharmacon, and she wrote a lot of the songs they performed at the end. They do a, this is a Pharmacon movie, guys. Uh, noise Music Pharmacon got to be an Oscar nominated fucking film. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, and Azriel from uh, Surfboard, uh, they sell Surfboard merch in the background is in the movie. And the Surfboard drummer taught Riz drumming. And I was reading some interviews with Riz, and he mentions Kill Alters in interviews. So oh, and he's wearing like, uh, a, like a Jism shirt. Oh, good. Yeah. So many mate, uh, Uncertain New Button shirt. Uh, yeah, so much cool industrial music shit that I was like, uh, this is awesome. But it also made me point out that uh, in their RV where they live, uh, they have magazine covers of Under the Radar and Decibel. I was like, that would never happen for a band that sounds like this. Yeah, well, that was... See, I have a couple quibbles with this movie, I mean, aside from what I've said, which is like, you were saying about um, Coda, like move, money always seems to be a problem, but then it isn't. Like, I kind of think that's true of this movie also. Riz spends a lot of time talking about like how he can't afford stuff, but then he just does it anyway, you know? So I don't really know what's going on there. Like, he's supposed to... He be does sell all his stuff. Well, he's supposed to be like so broke he can't he's like barely like I don't know if he's gonna have somewhere to stay the night. Oh yeah, he's like a hotel, yeah. And then in the next scene he's like flown to France. <laughs> and you're like, okay, wait, like which is it? That is after he sells all his uh shit to good Right, right, right. Movie. And maybe they had to say money. like the other character is like and they do show later on that the car- other it's his like girlfriend su- character is stacked. Super rich. Her family's really rich, which if you've spent any time in the arts industry, you will know like, yes, of course. Yes. Yeah, so one of the people, their parents are super fucking loaded. Um, but like also I, so I think, but I think it doesn't can never quite get a handle on how broke Riz is because many times he's like, and you think to yourself, knowing the American health system, you're like, well, he's fucked. Like he can't afford any of this stuff. Like he lives in a fucking he's van. An artist, yeah. He's, he's an probably. artist. Like, but then the movie also like, maybe can't decide how famous they are because they seem to be like yeah. very famous occasionally. In this like movie. I love Pharmacon. I've seen Pharmacon and surfboards numerous times myself, and I would recommend seeing both of those great live experiences. But uh, like 
at like uh, not even the basement of elsewhere or uh, opening for bands at like a uh, smaller venues like they're not like packing it in i mean they should but they're not <laughs> <laughs> um but jucifer is like a band that are based on i don't think jucifer is ever really that big i just know jucifer only through name only yeah and... there's like these things there's like a moment where they're in his trailer with one of his friends and there's like three dozen press clippings of them that seem to be like covers of magazines and like yeah, huge under the radar pictures. Cover that shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, wait, what? And then later on, they're going to some kind of, he's going to some kind of forum post where there's like all these people are commenting on all the performances of, and you're like, wait, how Those do exist? Those I mean, do exist. I, I know, <laughs> I know. But you, but it just, you're just like, wait, how popular are they? Because other elsewhere in the movie, they seem to live in a car and be performing for like 50 people, you know, like. Yeah, there's like uh, no stage venues, uh, just playing. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, that's like punk bands in general. That's what they, the, I thought it was true, but the, just the press clippings kind of threw me the off. Press clippings are pretty funny. You're like, this is like too much. <laughs> this is not, this would never happen. And they're in uh, print. Like, what, is he printing them out from websites and putting them on his wall? Uh, I do. It is really sweet how they live their lives. And they, the movie starts off with like this awesome performance and they live their life. And then. Oh, and they the seem so out. in love, the two of yeah. them, Riz and his girl. Like they're, and then, like they're driving for like 10 hours and they're just the entire time talking to each other because they're mm -hmm. so in love and having so much fun. And then his hearing drops out and it's just like, oh, uh, you could see like things unraveling. Like he's an addict. So like he's a very tightly wound, as we're learning throughout the movie, very he's tight a tightly wound Control person. is he's, very important. He's la yeah, yeah. Control's, he's super laser focused on his music. He loves to keep his routine, his gets fitness, up early, makes his, his health. Shakes. His, yeah. You know, yeah. So when that unravels with his hearing, like he himself unravels. And again, I'll say it again, a wide eyed reactionary, amazing performance from Riz. Uh, yeah, amazing. Uh, I'm reading a little I bit more Riz. about it. Yeah. Uh, I read that, uh, kind of out of necessity martyr didn't let riz look at the dailies like didn't let him want to get in his head about his performance like no just we keep going it was also due to the budget like they I, he said they only did like two takes max for things which is wow uh and the whole filming had to be done in like 24 days so shot through that shit really 24 days did you <laughs> yeah, say cra crazy Jesus right Jesus christ uh only like two like it was mostly filmed in like the northeast and they had like one other location at the end uh but yeah wow but yeah, uh, I, I I felt like we skipped over like the. Uh, I guess we didn't, but like there's like we covered everything. Yeah, a lot of like really cool of the the deaf actors in the movie. Uh, They're I thought great. It was like um, amazing. Yeah. They're all great. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. <laughs> um, and it's very interesting. It's just a very interesting look into the world of being deaf. And I mean, well, here's one thing I don't think we've talked about, which I before we get to the end, like. Uh, I, one thing that we skipped is that the whole section of the movie where Riz has first lost his hearing, like to me, this is like, it's like a horror movie. I mean, they're, yeah. he's, you're experiencing it in this way where it's like intense fear all the time and you just don't know what's happening. And it's so scary. And like so many of my notes are, God, this is terrifying. I hate this. <laughs> You know, like yeah. uh, so honestly, scary. I, like I just couldn't. It like um, I, you just feel this kind of panic that like all of a sudden you would lose your hearing just like out of nowhere. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's and it's, they nobody even knows why. And they're basically and you're going to the doctor and you're like okay, he just keeps going like okay, well like well, how are we gonna to fix the pharmacy it? to go to the doctor and there's like all the communication. He's like he's out of yeah, two out of ten. Oh my god! And it's this yeah. really terrible scene where Riz they're giving him a hearing test and it's like the person has like a oh. folder in front of their mouths or on the other side of a piece of glass and they're getting him to repeat words and he repeats the first like two or three and then he just like kind of well, puts his head down. Yeah. And you're like, We're oh, my saying, God, like, oh, my God, this is awful. 
like we're in his like it's, they do one of those things that we're in his perspective we're hearing hear, hearing it and just saying thing like it's muffled for work because we're hearing how what he's hearing he just says the word like i guess that's accurate but then they cut to do a flip around of like that guy actually saying it and he's like saying ouch and the guy he's like throat Oh, it's so fucking up. Uh, and I said an editing thing right there. And I will mention that it did win uh, Best Editing uh, at Oscars, which, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, Michael Mikkel, E.G. Nielsen. Uh, so much editing he had to do. Edit to the music. He had to edit to the hearing. He edited to the, all the sound, which is, again, the sound design. Uh, but also edit to the story to make it emotional. He's editing adds in the frustration. It puts in the surprise. It pulls back literally when it needs to, to like, hey, you're fine here. It's not super scary, but like, who who gives you that relief? Uh, it was very similar to The Father, which is also uh, nominated for Best Editing last year, where you're in that character's uh, POV and like feeling all this scary stuff. Uh, and I could have went with either of these as Best Editing feature, but I guess there's a little bit more to do because of the sound uh, in general for uh, Mikkel E.G. Nelson in uh, this movie. But again, both amazingly done edited movies <laughs> <laughs> no i agree i mean and i just i just really really did feel so frightened for a, a huge portion of this movie i mean it does make you appreciate like how important sound is to yeah. you you know and you just imagine like literally never hearing a sound again and but then at the same time by the later part of the movie you're kind of like Okay, so you can fucking hear a bike bell. Like, who gives a shit? Like, okay, who even fucking gives a shit? Like, okay, there's a car drove by. Like, great. And, you know, it's like you could see it. It's fine. You don't need to hear yeah. it, too. It was just more like he went to that party. Like, he's here and fine one-on-one. And then he went to, like, a party at the end where he's, like, meeting all these, like, rich people. And it was just, like, kind of like, what's that? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And just, like, yeah, removes himself. Woo. Yeah, move it, like, intense slows down and then just has like kind of like a very sad payoff <laughs> very very sad payoff but like hopeful in a certain way i guess you know because he is kind yeah. of like coming to some kind of acceptance of himself um, we'll see hopefully there'll be a sound of metal to sound of more metal sound the uh, more the further sound of metal <laughs> the sound of metal the actual touch of metal. metal more sounds of metal yeah the touch of metal oh he loses his sight now he just has to touch stuff <laughs> I was going to say because he actually had metal on his head at the end with those cochlear implants. Oh, that is true. That is true. Although they look like these like Bose headphones I used to have. Um, <laughs> they do look like that. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, it was... Yeah, I don't even know what I was going to say. My cat started scratching her scratching post really loudly. Lulu? Lulu, yeah, she's being very annoying right now. But I love her. I can't help it. Um, oh, yeah, okay, the movie was scary. Riz is giving a great performance. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, let's just, you want to do it? You want to do the end of the let's show? Let's do it, yeah. Let's do it. Like, Caleb, let's say you had to pick one of these two movies or you would lose your hearing forever. Hmm, I do like hearing because that's what you, listener, are doing right now. Um, so I will pick a movie. Uh, I'm picking Sound of Metal. Uh, Coda was shot so terribly. It's super fucking bright <laughs> the whole time. I was sitting on this one. Uh, like, it's just bad oh. cinema. Not bad cinematography, but just, like, easy-ass cinematography. And again, it's like a fucking broad strokes thing. Not a bad movie by any means, but it's kids' gloves compared to, like, sound of what Sound of Metal is giving you, man. It's actual filmmaking. <laughs> um, a lot of just sound design, which is ugh, so cool. I already only did eight tracks, too, which is, like, usually movies have... Uh, uh, 40, 50, 90 track. A Marvel movie probably has like uh, 500 soundtracks going at one any given time. Anyway, and there's a lead performance that just thing and it's scary and it's funny and hopeful and there's kids in it and 
there's just so much. And uh, I learned about Paul Racy from this movie. And again, there's nothing wrong with Coda. There's some great performances in it too. I would say it one's easier to go down to. So maybe you should watch that one, but uh, no, be, be, be an adult and watch the sound of metal and uh, learn about Pharmacon. Listen to some Pharmacon records. Okay, Caleb, I'm going to say some crazy shit right now. Okay. And I hope that you're ready for this. Um, I think that there's something about Coda where like, yes, it is a broad movie for children that looks like shit. Like, yes, I do agree with you about that. And it's basically like an, an, a WB show that's like a, a two hours long. Yes. Yes. To all of that. Okay. But I think there's something to be said for the way that Coda is like focused on telling a story and tells that story effectively that I think is very good filmmaking. I think that that is in fact good. And I know that it is like a dumb piece of shit, but like there is a reason that it won all the awards at Sundance. And there is a reason that Apple paid $25 million for it. It's that despite how trite a movie it seems to be and is in fact, there is just something about it that it just, works like it just is a good it works piece yeah of filmmaking, it doesn't work you know? it works it in in the way that it's like it has it has an economy of storytelling and it's it is telling a story that's has a, a, a momentum and it's going somewhere and i think that i think that the sound of metal isn't necessarily going anywhere for like a lot of the movie i think that it's going i think or you could say it's going like four different places you know and I know that it's all telling the like unified emotional story of this one person. But I also think that it just like from moment to moment watching the movie, you're kind of just like, okay, what's going on now? <laughs> like, okay, now he's like lives at this deaf community somehow. Like, okay. And like, and then it's like pounds you over the head with it. And then you're like, wait, so he read a forum post and now he's leaving this idyllic life that he has for himself with everybody who loves him and all this hard work that he's put in because like, he read some forum post he didn't like or something like what, you know, like, well, I, get, I, I completely get that. I'm not that saying doesn't really make any sense. I don't it make think. sense to me. I don't know, dude. He seemed to be like, he didn't just seem to be like begrudgingly accepting the life that he had. He seemed to be like, so gung ho enjoying it. And like, he was seemed to be getting so much emotional uh, enrichment from these people and then he like read a forum post where somebody was like, "Hey, I saw her performance in Paris. It was cool." And then he watched yeah, a video doing, of her. Uh, she was doing a solo performance through a duo, so right. she's doing uh, tracks now, which is actually what Pharmacon does. Um, uh, I love mentioning Pharmacon, uh, but she's not doing it to the drummer, so she doesn't need him anymore. Right. So but it's see, like that. So love, he had not bond. accepted and this they... during this all this time of like. Being and becoming to, really. this deaf person and like learning, integrating himself into this deaf community. Like, yeah, you want like, me to believe he had not accepted that he wasn't going to be a professional musician anymore with his girlfriend? Like, I find uh, that hard I, to believe. I find that well, hard to I, believe. Oh, I, well, I don't because he, as he's learning, like, oh, I could be so many things. He's actually even drumming with these kids and actually like doing music with these kids. <laughs> so it was not like he's cutting out music with all in his life. It's also, uh, and they touch on it at the end. Like it's actually, and he even says it directly. Like it's all about her. It's all about the girl. He wants to be back with the girl. I mean, all of a sudden it's to, all about her. I mean, do I you know what I mean? Like, this. I don't think it's all of a sudden at the beginning. Right. Okay. They have a very good relationship. And he says to her, like, you're my heart. And then we see him get one email from her. And then, you know, the whole, he seems to have 
accepted that he's built a whole nother life. And then he, but then it's I like, I think he's accepted. Yeah. I think he's accepting. He's in the process of accepting. But then the uh, movie wants you to believe that, but again, this is the thing where the, the addictive personality traits are kind of like, it's like focused on her and it's focused on hearing. And so he's, then he does all this crazy stuff to like, yeah, he wants to get back to her. He wants yeah. to get back so, to her. Right. He's addictive. He's addictive. Person. He's addicted to her. He's addicted. But, but then this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying when I'm saying, what is this movie about? He's, is it about a guy accepting that he's deaf? Is it about a guy accepting his limitations? Is it about being addicted to yeah, I think a woman? I think, is it I think about you're just addiction? saying that. I think like, you're just saying what it, it is. You're, 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 you just said it. It's about a guy. It's about a guy. Where are you saying, this is the story of a girl who cried a river and drowned the whole world? I mean, the, I would say the coda is way more about that. That's <laughs> closer to that song than sound of metal. Well, it is. You're right. So, like, <laughs> dude, I did come in here prepared to pick Coda 100%. And in a certain sense, I think if I was a braver person, I would pick Coda. <laughs> uh, let's just fucking do it. I'm going to do it. Let's yeah, Coda. It, yeah. I think Coda is better than Sound of Metal. I, I like Sound of Metal a lot, and I believe, agree that it is complex and artistic, but I think I didn't, I just didn't like it as much, you know? And I, and then, you know, like, look, the director that we're talking about, he's the director of The Place Beyond the Pines. Like, what he no, that, makes. Uh, not, it's not the same director. He's just wrote, he has a story by credit. Oh, he's the story by credit. Okay. Are you sure? Yes, his name is Darius Martyrs. His, he actually Darius won Best Martyrs. First Feature at Spirit Awards. Yeah. Oh, I thought for sure he was the director. Derek um, France says a story. Like I said, he did the. Uh, uh, he had the initial idea with Jucifer at the for the story, but that didn't pan out. And then, okay. like Darius Martyr took it and ran with it. Made a movie with Riz. Well, so Riz I'm just saying it's in the oeuvre of like extremely hot young men facing unspeakable tragedy. I mean, that's just kind of sure. what these these movies are about. Coda has. Uh, you made fun of my deaf family. I don't like you. But wait, I love you now. In it. I know, but I Caleb... Can, that's easy fish when I'm picking out the teen love story. I know it is. The teen love story is awful. But you know what? I mean, like, when you're 16 years old, you're cheesy and fucking stupid. Do you know yeah, what I'm I mean? 30, I'm 39 years old now, so... Uh, <laughs> Devour, um, Bestial Burden, um, and then... I'm just naming the Pharmacon albums. You should be oh, great. To. That's great. Thank you very much, Caleb. Um, I think that's the show for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, yes, thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Keep going, keep going. Well, she looks so sad in <laughs> photographs. Uh, Absolutely no. love her. <laughs>